Hello and welcome to New Things Under the Sun. I'm Matt Clancy. This week's podcast, The Idea of Being an Entrepreneur. So what kinds of things make someone decide to try and solve some problem instead of accepting it? Economists tend to think in terms of broad costs and benefits. That is, if the expected benefits from innovating exceed the expected costs, well, then a person decides to innovate. But an alternative perspective is well articulated by the economic historian Anton Howes. And he says, and this is a long quote, the more I study the lives of British innovators, the more convinced I am that innovation is not in human nature, but is instead received. People innovate because they're inspired to do so. It's an idea that is transmitted. And when people do not innovate, it's often simply because it never occurs to them to do so. Incentives matter too, of course, but a person needs to at least have the idea of innovation that is an improving mentality before they can choose to innovate, before they can even take the costs and benefits of innovation into account. End quote. So if this is right, where does this improving mentality come from? People are social creatures and, you know, we often take their cues from the people around them. So one way people could obtain this improving mentality is if they see it modeled in other people. Now, I reviewed some evidence for this notion in last week's podcast, Entrepreneurship is Contagious. And in that post or podcast, I tried to show two things. First, entrepreneurs are often found in social clusters. So if people have worked with entrepreneurs or lived near them, they're more likely to go on to become entrepreneurs themselves. Second, this effect is causal in the sense that if you expose some random person to entrepreneurs, you can infect them with the entrepreneurship bug. In this piece, I want to present two more complementary strands of evidence in favor of the notion that entrepreneurs transmit to their peers the idea that, you know, yes, even someone like you can become an entrepreneur. Now, these two strands of evidence are, one, that entrepreneurship transmit from peer to peer more readily when peers are similar, and two, the positive impact of being around entrepreneurs falls off pretty quickly once that idea has already been planted. So let's begin with this similarity of peers argument. In the Entrepreneurship is Contagious podcast, I reviewed a 2015 paper by Lindquist, Sol, and von Prague that showed Swedish adoptees are more likely to become entrepreneurs if either their biological or adoptive parents were entrepreneurs. And moreover, the link between entrepreneurial parents and children was twice as strong for adoptive parents as it was for the biological parents of adopted children. And there was little evidence, there wasn't much evidence, that this was due to factors like inheriting the family business or access to wealth. Instead, it seems to have come from something the children learned from their parents. Could it have been the idea that entrepreneurship is the kind of thing you know people like us do? One piece of evidence in favor of that interpretation is the differential effect of parental gender on their children. Adopted sons are more likely to become entrepreneurs if either parent is an entrepreneur, but the effect of fathers on sons is generally more than twice as strong as the effect of mothers. And for daughters, the effect is even stronger. It turns out adopted daughters are more likely to become entrepreneurs only if their mother is an entrepreneur also. Adopted daughters raised by entrepreneurial fathers were no more likely to become entrepreneurs than people than daughters who were raised by non-entrepreneurial fathers. Now, this gender asymmetry has been seen in other papers as well. Roca and von Prague, 2015, 
2020 looks at people who work with an entrepreneur. Uh, They look at the employees of startups in Denmark. And everyone who joins one of these startups is going to have some degree of exposure to the founder of the startup, and therefore they're all exposed to the idea of entrepreneurship. But what Roka and Von Prague focus on is how similar the founder is to the employee. They find that female employees are more likely to subsequently go on and found a business of their own if the founder is also a woman. And they find that the more similar the founder is, the more they seem to influence the decisions of their employees. The effect is stronger if the employee and the founder are both women and they're both mothers or both not mothers. The effect is stronger if they're both women and have similar ages or if they're both women with similar educational backgrounds, or both women with the same place of birth. Kaspersik 2013 finds a similar effect. She studies mutual fund managers and their decisions to strike out on their own and found a hedge fund, and she looks to see if this decision is influenced by exposure to other hedge fund managers who do the same thing. Similar to a 2010 study by Nanda and Sorensen, which we looked at last week, she finds hedge fund managers are more likely to strike out on their own if they have more coworkers who've done the same thing. But she also finds the same effect if more university alumni, who are also hedge fund managers, strike out on their own to found their own hedge funds in the preceding year. And that's kind of interesting because we might be worried that fund managers who are interested in striking out on their own might all gravitate to work in the same workplace. They might have things about them that are similar and draw them to the same kind of places. And that would lead to a spurious correlation between when your coworkers start a fund and when you do. But that concern is probably less likely to be true of alumni. It would mean, for example, that people who are interested in starting their own hedge fund someday choose to go out, you know, choose to attend the same universities. And then they don't act on that wish until their peers start forming hedge funds around the same time. And for our purposes, though, the thing that's interesting about alumni is it's another example indicating the importance of sort of people like me doing entrepreneurial things. Kaspersik also establishes the effect is a lot stronger for alumni of the same gender and for alumni who went to school around the same time period as you. So taken all together, it's consistent with this idea that people take their cues about what kinds of options are available to them from people who occupy a similar social position. When people like you are entrepreneurs, it seems to be especially impactful on your future probability of becoming one yourself. A second piece of evidence that peers activate the idea to be an entrepreneur comes from the fact that we see little evidence that these peer effects work well when people probably already have the idea of being entrepreneurs, because you can only get an idea once. As we've seen, the children of entrepreneurs are themselves more likely to become entrepreneurs. Let's assume for a minute that that's because the children of entrepreneurs are much more likely to have the idea of being an entrepreneur in their heads. And that would mean further exposure to entrepreneurs doesn't add that idea to the choice set they're considering with what to do with their lives. The idea is already in there. And it turns out that a general finding is that all of these social exposure to entrepreneurship effects are a lot weaker for the children of entrepreneurs. In Roca and Von Prague's study of the impact of working with a female founder on the probability of women going on to start businesses, the effect was only statistically significant for those without an entrepreneurial mother. The daughters of entrepreneurial mothers were more likely to become entrepreneurs 
but they weren't sort of even more likely to do so if they also worked for a startup headed by a female founder. In Nanda and Sorensen's study showing people are more likely to become entrepreneurs if they work with coworkers who have previously been entrepreneurs, the effect was half as strong for children with an entrepreneurial parent. And moreover, they also found a weaker effect for those who reside in a region where there are more entrepreneurs. So in general, that study found those with exposure to entrepreneurship outside of work were much less affected by the presence or absence of entrepreneurial co-workers. Finally, in Easley and Wang 2017, students in this 10-week innovation and entrepreneurship university class, they worked on a startup project with a mentor. And I talked more about this paper last week too. Students were randomly assigned mentors who were entrepreneurs or not entrepreneurs. And those assigned entrepreneur mentors were more likely to join startups in the two years after graduation. But only if they did not have a parent who was an entrepreneur. For the children of entrepreneurs, there was no additional impact from having one of these entrepreneurial mentors. Note that this is not because the children of entrepreneurs are always entrepreneurs, because in that case, you know, there'd be no way to further increase their chances of being an entrepreneur. You can't go above 100%. But that's not the case. Entrepreneurship remains uncommon in all cases, even for the children of entrepreneurs. It's just more common than other people. I think this idea is also consistent with one of the few studies that finds exposure to entrepreneurial peers does not increase the probability people become entrepreneurs. There was a 2013 study by Lerner and Malmendier, which we also talked about last week, on MBA students at Harvard. Uh, and these students were randomly assigned to class sections that sort of by chance had more uh, peers that had previously been entrepreneurs or less peers. And that study found that People who were exposed to, you know, who were in a section with more entrepreneurial peers were actually less likely to become entrepreneurs when they graduated, or at least to express an intention to become an entrepreneur. And this might well be because people getting an MBA at Harvard Business School just don't lack the confidence and idea of becoming an entrepreneur. They're already weighing the costs and benefits of entrepreneurship, and meeting an entrepreneurial classmate doesn't add anything new to their choice set. In fact, Lerner and Malmendier suggest it's more, more important for them is that it helps them avoid starting businesses that are unlikely to succeed. So to sum up, I agree with Anton Howes that innovation might not come naturally to most people. You know, we could have a whole discussion about why that might be, but that's a topic for another day. As humans, we have this enormous range of courses of action that we can take as we try to live our lives. Too many possibilities to consider all of them, in fact. So as a shortcut, we use the choices of people in similar situations as ourselves to build the sort of circumscribed choice set. And these are the possibilities whose costs and benefits we weigh when we're deciding how to act. Now, we actually don't have much evidence about this as it relates to innovation, so inventing new stuff, uh, discovering new scientific ideas. But we do have a lot of evidence related to a close cousin of innovation, which is entrepreneurship. Now, across this podcast and last week's, I've tried to get pulled together four strands of evidence about this notion that entrepreneurship isn't normally a default choice that people consider, but they instead have to learn it's an option from their social context. And those four strands are, one, entrepreneurs are often found in social clusters like workplaces or neighborhoods. Two, quasi-random exposure to entrepreneurs increases the probability of becoming an entrepreneur. Three, Entrepreneurial influence seems stronger when entrepreneurial peers occupy a more similar social position. And four, the effect of exposure to entrepreneurs is much weaker 
for the people most likely to already be considering a career in entrepreneurship. Taken together, I think it's pretty compelling. In addition to the usual things that drive economic growth, like institutions, macroeconomic policy, technological opportunity, we should also think about intangible ideas about what people regard as possibilities for their lives. Thanks. And now it's time for the standard end of the episode boilerplate. You've been listening to a podcast from New Things Under the Sun, a living literature review with the mission of communicating what academia knows about innovation and accessible but rigorous research syntheses. New Things Under the Sun is a living literature review, which means I go back and update these research syntheses as new research is published or I discover it. The podcast you listen to is taken from the first published version of one of these syntheses. To see if there's been any updates about the claims made in this podcast, or to learn more about this project, head to newthingsunderthesun.com.